0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. In 2015, President Obama gave a speech to the AARP, and he announced a plan for new regulations to protect everyday investors who have retirement accounts. You want to give financial advice, you got to put your client interest first. Known as the fiduciary rule, it was opposed by many in the financial industry and over the years its full implementation was delayed. When President Trump came into office, the Trump administration has directed its labor department to reevaluate the rule which basically stopped the regulations from going into effect. The DOL has officially delayed the fiduciary rule. The
1: Office of Management and Budget has approved a proposal to delay the second phase of the Department of Labor's fiduciary rule.
0: And now it looks like the proposal is about to go away entirely. In March, a federal appeals court ruled against the fiduciary rule, and since the Trump administration didn't appeal the decision, the court's ruling goes into effect this Monday. So what does this all mean for average investors? Well, joining me to discuss this are Megan Leonhardt. She's a reporter for Money Magazine, where she covers consumer protection issues And Jason Zwag, who writes the Intelligent Investor column for The Wall Street Journal. And Megan, let's just be really basic here. What was the fiduciary rule trying to achieve?
1: It was basically trying to make sure that your financial advisor wasn't giving you conflicted advice. So many financial products have hidden fees or have um, commissions that are built into it, where if the advisor has two alike products sitting side by side, they may opt to go with the one that's maybe a little bit more expensive for you, but they get paid a little bit more for recommending it.
0: Jason, this sounds kind of like
2: common sense. Why was there pushback from the industry? Well, because uh, as Megan just pointed out, when the people who are selling investments to clients get paid by other people to sell them, there's a lot of money going around. And what's in your best interest may not necessarily be in the best interest of the person advising you on it. So there might be an alternative that's much more lucrative for them that this rule would effectively have taken away. And there's not just billions, but trillions of dollars at stake. But one of the concerns that the industry raised was
0: that it could raise costs because it would just add a whole nother layer of regulations and be more
2: complicated and that in the end might be a bad thing for consumers. Yeah. Well, there were, there were actually two levels of objection. One was that it would raise costs and the regulation would make investments more expensive just by virtue of being there. The second was that a lot of small investors, you know, people with fairly limited resources, if the only way the person recommending investments to them can get paid is through fees rather than upfront commissions, then it might not be worth that person's time to sell investments to that household. Because if I have to wait for years in order to earn back my costs of sitting at their kitchen table and explaining everything to them, then I might not want to be bothered in the first place. And and that could hurt smaller investors who are investing small amounts of money. They can't necessarily get the help that they
0: might want. That certainly was the argument that the industry put forward. So, Megan, then what is the significance if this rule goes away and really it's almost as if it was never implemented?
1: There are some contingency plans. Certainly other regulators have come forward, uh, the SEC being the big one. The Securities
0: and Exchange Commission.
1: Correct. And have put forward their own proposed rule just recently. So we'll have to see how that takes place. But in the day-to-day practicality for most investors, I would say that there are a couple solutions. Certainly, there are a lot of good things going on on the digital frontier. Robo-advisors, as they're called, will sit there and work with you even for no amount of money. <laughs> they have minimums that start at zero. And then for those who are already working with a financial advisor or want to actually work with a financial advisor, there's definitely some things that you can do to make sure that you're working with the right people, whether or not that they're upheld to one rule or another or however this shakes out on the regulatory front.
0: Megan, haven't a lot of investment advisors, investment firms already made changes that are in compliance with the fiduciary rule, even if it's eliminated?
1: Yes, we have definitely seen firms, even big ones, went ahead and updated all their policies in anticipation of the rule. Some of those policies have worked well for investors. Some of them have not. <laughs> and the the basic bones of it is if you have been updated already and you have signed a new contract with your investment advisor, your financial advisor, then you're adhering to it in some fashion or form. The downside is that you really don't have a cop on the beat right now making firms adhere to a fiduciary standard.
0: So Jason, then what do you make of this moment that we're in where we had a rule in place for a while, now it's going away, we have the SEC coming out with rules. Where do things stand for the average consumer?
2: Well, there's certainly every bit as much confusion in the marketplace as there was before. And one of the difficulties is over this term, financial advisor or investment advisor. It has a legal meaning. If you call yourself a financial advisor, but you are not a registered investment advisor, then you are not a fiduciary under the eyes of the law. But a lot of your clients probably think you are. This sounds all so confusing. What is an average
0: investor who maybe has a $50,000 in a 401k and they want to get some advice?
2: What do they do? Probably the most important question you can ask an advisor or someone claiming to be an advisor is, does anybody else other than me pay you to give me advice? And. If you get an honest answer and the answer is yes, then you need to start asking a lot more questions because that suggests that the person is not a fiduciary and may have numerous conflicts of interest that you need to think about and evaluate before you go forward. Megan, when you look at the SEC rules that are being proposed, do you
0: think they're going to clarify the situation some?
1: Well… I'd like to say yes, but honestly, a lot of it hinges on disclosures. So all of those papers, you know, that you get when you sign up for an account full of legal jargon is full of industry jargon that most of the average consumers don't know. If we can get somewhere where we're getting a one page disclosure, a top sheet at least with, you know, your basic terms, sure, maybe that'll work. But until that point, really, it's just going to be confusing
0: still. When you look at the Trump administration and its uh, approach towards regulation, and then with this fiduciary rule ostensibly going away, what does it say to both of you about what it means to be uh, an investor, just an average consumer thinking about trying
2: to put your money in the stock market or invest it in other ways? Well, it would be nice if we could start all over. (laughs) And we wouldn't We wouldn't regulate through disclosure. We would regulate through conduct. And we would have simple, clear rules and standards that advisors could follow and that investors could understand.
1: I think the phrase that comes to mind is buyer beware. I feel like it's one of those situations where you've got to look out for your best interest because no one else is going to do it for you.
0: Megan Landhart is a reporter for Money Magazine. And Jason Swag writes for The Wall Street Journal. Thank you both for joining. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. And I'm Charlie Herman. This is Money Talking from WNYC.